Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, leaky black, and gravedigger Phelps. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home in Connecticut. I'm in San Diego for a weekend getaway. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent and you haven't yet subscribed to the YouTube channel. Knock it out while you're here. It helps us. It helps us when you do that. So please go ahead and and do that. Let's get into it. Gonzaga won on Thursday night. St. Mary's won on Thursday night. So we are set up for Saturday night showdown. Number 12, Gonzaga. Number 18, St. Mary's. 1030 Eastern inside what is now officially called the University Credit Union Pavilion. Rest in peace to McKeon Pavilion. When did this happen? I just noticed it. Yeah, I noticed it a couple days ago, but... Uh, th- that is, uh, listen, I, you got to make money. You get sponsorships, but University Credit Union Pavilion, UCUP, UCUP. <laughs> you know how difficult it is to go into the UCUP? People been saying that for years. Very difficult to go in the UCUP, a 3,500. I can actually, I can say once C- upon a time, I could say to GP, I see UP. Because I see UP. I see you see you what a start to the show i see uh, up you see up the university credit union pavilion rest in peace mckeon pavilion in an unusual twist despite gonzaga being number two in the preseason ap poll and st mary's not getting a single vote in the preseason ap poll this is a game between the first place gales and the second place Zags. St. Mary's 20 and 4 overall, 9 and 0 in the WCC. Gonzaga 19 and 4 overall, 8 and 1 in the WCC. And though Gonzaga is ranked higher in the AP poll, coaches poll, and top 25 and 1, St. Mary's is higher in the net, Ken Palm and Torvik. That's among the reasons Gonzaga will be an underdog on Saturday night. Dead leg. If St. Mary's wins, it will have a two-game lead over Gonzaga in the league standings with just six games left to play in the regular season. Here's the question. Does Gonzaga have to upset St. Mary's late Saturday inside the UCUP to ensure the Zags continue to have a chance to win at least a share of what would be an 11th straight WCC title? The UCUP, that is what is on the line here. 
no doubt about it. Uh, because of and and here GP again, Gonzaga is a dog, and a and a noticeable dog. Right now, it's the the Caesars line isn't out as we do this, but five point spread in this game. This is not going to be part of the final form one. We're leading with this one because this is the biggest game of the weekend. I understand that uh, the big TV production is going down to Durham. I understand that. Uh, we've got another really good one happening uh, in a state with thriving internet these days, but this is the game. And also, it's the standalone game. You know, Rostein likes to bring up the standalone game. This oh, is the boy, last... Nobody loves standalone games more than Rostein. I know. This is a 10.30 tip Eastern Saturday. No other games are tipping that late. This will be the last tip of the day. And so sec- when the second half's going down, no competition with this one. This is a great West Coast Conference Saturday night affair here. And if... Can, eh, how about this? The way I thought about it, you know, two sides to one coin is St. Mary's winning would guarantee it finishes atop the WCC standings effectively. I mean, it could wind up tying Gonzaga. It takes a loss. It didn't think it was going to take Gonzaga. gets the the revenge win in Spokane at the end of the regular season. That could happen and they could tie. But if St. Mary's pulls this off, it's going to finish atop the league ledger. And it has not done that uh, for basically a decade here. And St. Mary's, to me, and I had this in the blurb in my power rankings on Thursday, you know, I bumped, I bumped the Gales up to seventh because they've been, they've been hot, man. They're one of the hottest teams in the country. They've won 11 in a row. And from a resume perspective, yeah, there's something intriguing about that. And no matter what happens in this game, I actually think the Gales will be worth analyzing and evaluating big picture uh, come our Sunday show. But I think their reputation nationally could really get a major boost with the win here because it's a standalone game, because it's Gonzaga. They're playing in that pavilion. Randy Bennett's just come. He just won his 500th career game on Thursday night, beating San Francisco. He's the 26th active coach with 500 victories. No, I will not be trivia timing you on the other 25. I know them all. He's also only, I say only, I mean, it's not that surprising, but there's only been 25 guys ever in men's D1 to get to 500 at one school. And Randy Bennett's done it at St. Mary's. The school was 2-27 and 27 the year he, before he took over. It actually only had one win against D1 schools. One of those two wins didn't even happen against D1. And now he's gotten it to, to 500 victories there. And... Uh, you know, it just feels like an appropriate game coming off winning 500. Who else would you rather play but Gonzaga? You know, St. Mary's is in many ways Gonzaga light. The conference it's in, the location it's in, out west, small school, really small school, and has managed to become a, a, a veritable foil for the Zags in most years in that league. Obviously, this game in most seasons is the one that Mark Few and that staff have to gear up the hardest for because the Gales have been, you know, the second best program in the WCC for the better part of the past 12 to 15 years here. So uh, this is going to be an awesome game. You know, Gonzaga scores more than anyone in the country on a per game basis. Uh, 86.4 points, I believe it is. Uh, St. Mary's is the fourth best scoring defense in terms of points per game, allowing 57 per game. And it's also the fourth best in points per possession there. St. Mary's will win that battle. Gonzaga's not getting to 80 in this game. I would be stunned if that happened because of the style that St. Mary's plays. It's so elite defensively. And then you're going to have a really good big man battle down low. Drew Timmy, who just passed 2000 on Thursday, by the way, for his career, he's now second all or he's what he's third all time, but he's about to be second. And if he averages around 19 a game, the rest of the way he will finish the season as Gonzaga's all time leading scorer. 
He's going to be the Gonzaga's all-time leading scorer. That's a storyline for another time. But he's coming off. You talk about career milestones. Randy Bennett had one. Timmy just got to 2,000. He'll get to number two on the list in this game, and he'll eventually be Gonzaga's all-time leading scorer. Timmy's scored more than 4,000 points between his high school and college career, careers. Just, a, just He's living his best life there. But he's going to go up against Mitchell Saxon, who is you know, a, a, a bruising 6'10 junior big who is a pretty damn good defender. So Timmy's going to have his hands full on that end of the floor. Now, he might drop 24, 25 on St. Mary's. We'll see if he can do it. He might do it, but he's actually got a, a pretty good counterpart that he's going to be going up against Saxon in this game. So this is an awesome one, and I love that we're leading with it because, yeah, it's always intriguing when Gales and Zags play, but to me, um, I'm as... I'm as geared up for this game as, as any other one. I dropped in the chat just before we started. To me, Illinois, Iowa, I might have the most intrigue on because of the melodrama the past 48 hours with that. <laughs> but for on-court purposes, like it is Zags versus Gales. And this is the game where if you're St. Mary's and you can beat Gonzaga, yeah, it might be GP. It might be an indication, and we already know this, like this isn't vintage high-level top five Zags. We get that. And that might even be the case if, if St. Mary's can hold court on its home court they win this game, and it's kind of a reinforcement of like this Gonzaga team. It's good. It might be a little bit dangerous, but we can't consider it a title team. I get all that. But even if that's the case, and even if St. Mary's does that, and we have that view of Gonzaga, to me, it would just reinforce the Gales bona fides as a top 10 level team in America. It rates that from a metric standpoint, but to the people watching us live on YouTube right now, and if you're listening on the podcast, I just wonder, I wonder how many people actually believe that St. Mary's is a top 10 team. I don't know if, unless you live in that area code, I don't know how many people are actually willing to go that far right now. Beating Gonzaga would be a major step toward getting to that place. Well, to answer your question from a few minutes ago, and I don't want to speak for Randy Bennett, but if I were coming off my 500th win, I would rather play Pepperdine. Okay. I'd want a game with Pepperdine instead of Gonzaga. But I assume another one's still coming down the pike. So. To each his own. Um, I could argue that the biggest game of the weekend is maybe Purdue at Indiana because I think the Boilermakers have a real shot of of, of taking a, a second loss of the season there. We'll get to that later, but undeniably, this is a, a massive game. You mentioned you're not sure how many team how many people buy St. Mary's as a top ten team. No people do. Only computers. If you're a computer, you do. Mm-hmm. Computers love St. Mary's. Love Six them. in the net. Sixth at Torvik, seventh at Ken Palm, tenth at Sagarin. Incredible computer numbers, but a lackluster resume. We've been through this before. The Gales are one and one in quadrant one, five and one in quadrant two, so six and two in the first two quadrants. That's fine, but only one quadrant one win and two quadrant three losses. They have more losses outside of the first two quadrants than they have wins inside of the first quadrant. Lost to Washington on a neutral in November. Lost to Colorado State at home in December. Nobody else in the top 31 of the net has more than one loss outside of the first two quadrants. St. Mary's has two. I ask again, are the Gales computer trickers? Maybe that's what's on the line here. Saturday. We're about I to find it. out. Are they computer trickers or not? We're yeah. going to find out. It's a very fascinating profile overall. Now, I've watched them and they they are they're verifiable. Aiden Mahaney is a dude, man. He's a freshman guard. If you have not seen him play yet, fearless, tremendously good shooter, takes good shots, takes some tricky ones too. He actually hit a fadeaway last weekend to beat BYU. <laughs> Uh, him and Logan Johnson in the backcourt, like they're they're real dudes, man. Like I, I don't know. I, I it, to your point, trickers because they're top ten in all these metrics. I, I get that. Um, 
if they if they if they go into this game and Gonzaga walks out with a 17 point win, which is so super unlikely to happen, or even like a 12 point win, then we're gonna have to have a real conversation about the Gales. But I expect, like, I think the worst case scenario in this game, and Gonzaga's kind of owned St. Mary's as of late. I really feel like it's since it's in the UCUP, I feel like I would be surprised. It, Gonzaga can win. That wouldn't surprise me. But if Gonzaga won by more than six or seven, like, that really would surprise me in this kind of spot. I think, I think that venue is going to be ready and rocking. I mean, it holds about 3,500 people. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a tiny little bandbox there, and, and they know how to get up for, for the Zags there. So are they trickers? That's, I'm going to let you decide that. I, 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 I can't weigh in on that just yet. Um, it, it is, like, and it's not just one computer. You know, since January 1st, yeah, I, I ran the number. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know this, but at barktorvik.com, you, you can sort the data. You can like pick dates and sort the data. If you go from January 1st to today, St. Mary's is the second best team in the country, according to barktorvik.com. Trivia time. Okay. Who do you think is the best team in the country, according to barktorvik, from January 1st through today? All right. Give me three guesses. Um, my, my first guess is, is Purdue. Fourth. Purdue's fourth. Okay. Um. Second guess would be Houston. I Houston is in there. Obviously, they're in there somewhere. They are not in the top four. Another another computer loved program there. Um, even though they got pushed on Thursday, uh, power conference or no? Yes. Uh, because they've won a bunch, I'm just going to say Virginia, but I'm not overwhelmingly confident in that guess. The correct answer from January 1st through today, the best team in the country, according to BartTorrey.com, is Alabama, okay. which is second in the top. Even with the, the even with the Oklahoma destruction, just to speak yeah. to how good they've been. Yeah. Yeah. Even with the disastrous performance at Oklahoma, Alabama is the best team in the country, according to Bart Torvik, from January 1st through today. But but St. Mary's is second. And so I'm fascinated by this team because the resume does not match what the computers are telling you. And so I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I can't wait for this game. I'm glad you mentioned Aiden Mahaney and Mitchell Saxon, because if you just blurted those names out randomly to actual sports fans, who knows these people? No, nobody, nobody. That's nobody. the other thing about the St. Mary's team. They don't even have a player that I think like, uh, you got to be a college basketball fan to be in uh, live on YouTube right now with us, right? You, you otherwise, you, you, or either you just like a bunch well, of that, listen, there, there are many like, reasons, but that's yeah, among there's them. a lot of reasons you could be yeah, here. Right. Maybe you're into dodo birds, but yeah. Yeah. I wonder how many people right now, before we started talking, if we'd have just said without looking, name a St. Mary's player. How many people could have named a St. Mary's player? It's not a high. High volume of folk right there. Yeah. So it's like an anonymous team with a whatever resume, but with incredible numbers. And if they are able to win as a favorite against Gonzaga on Saturday night, I mentioned that two-game lead. That's really hard for Gonzaga to overcome. you got to assume St. Mary's is going to lose to Gonzaga at Gonzaga in the regular season finale and somewhere else for the Zags to have a chance to – um, win at least a share of 11 straight WCC titles. So I really do think on some level it comes down to this. If the Zags want to extend this streak of WCC titles, got to win on Saturday night. They've won 10 straight, nine outright in that stretch. 
the one year they shared it, 2016, they did share it with St. Mary's. That's when St. Mary's had Jock Landale. Gonzaga had Kyle Wilcher, DeMontis Sabonis. So, yeah, you know, it's um, – and if you're interested, the rematch, by the way, is scheduled for February 25th. That'll be in the kennel. But I'm with you as I was sitting here at, I don't know, four, four five o'clock, uh, five o'clock Pacific this morning when I woke up, sun hadn't even come up. I was like, okay, what are we leading this dumb podcast with? And the most compelling thing seemed to be, let's look ahead to, to what is a massive WCC game, not just for this season, but, you know, for a lot of streaks that the Zags, you know, have carried for, for quite some time. Uh, before we move on real quick, let's, this isn't final four and one. Let's just do a straight up pick. Gales or Zags, who are you taking? Just for fun. Doesn't count for the final four and one. I'm going to trust the Zags. I'm going to trust the Zags to go in there and, and mm. win. I will. I will. Uh, this really I don't feel great happen. about it. Like, I'm not going to yeah, bet yeah, my 401k yeah, on tough. it. Um, I will. Uh, I will as well. And that's not. It is on its surface doubting St. Mary's. I actually, I, I believe St. Mary's is capable of, of beating this Zags team by eight to 10 points on Saturday, but I just, I just want to see it in a big spot against a really good opponent. Uh, so I will, I will narrowly like narrow Zags, Zags victory. So we're on the same page. All right. So let's move on. Norlander wrote about some hot seat coaches flourishing as the lead to his power rankings this week. We're going to get into that next, but first a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. A reminder, if you want, you can now email the show. Shouts to CBS at gmail.com. Shouts to CBS at gmail.com. We are loving the responses we've gotten, the emails, the correspondence, the questions. Continue sending them. You can send in a video if you'd like. 10 to 15 second video. Ask a question. Name, city, town, get out. We'll try and drop those in going forward on the show, on the YouTube channel. Continue to send us stuff. We love hearing from you. And thank you, as always, for subscribing. So Norlander wrote about some hot seat coaches flourishing as the lead to his power rankings this week. I got real problems with your power rankings, but we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. Okay. Specifically, you wrote about Brad Brennell at Clemson, Jeff Capel at Pitt, Chris Collins at Northwestern, Kevin Keats at NC State. The perception was that all four of those men needed nice seasons this season to get a next season. So, so far... Um, mostly so good. All four of those coaches have their programs in Jerry Palm's latest bracket that was published on Monday morning. Since then, Pitt won at North Carolina. NC State blasted Florida State. But Clemson lost at Boston College. Yuck. And Northwestern has lost twice this week. Um, first at Iowa, then at home to Michigan. 
So here's the question for you. Brad Burnell, Jeff Capel, Chris Collins, Kevin Keats. How many of them make the NCAA tournament? Which ones get in? Which ones don't? So, yeah, so I put out a poll as well. Um, it's, a, it's a dead heat for the most confidence right now between Pitt and NC State. NC State's in the best spot right now, but uh, Keats got 30.8% of the vote as we speak. Capel got 30.4%. Then Collins and Northwestern at 20.1%. That poll is still alive. And then Clemson's bringing up the rear there at 18.6%. Uh, let me give you a quick profile rundown of these. And these are the four coaches. You know, I, I kind of looked around and, and I looked at all the, the power conferences, the big six leagues, and I'd say there were about anywhere between 11 and 13 overall coaches that you could say, eh, if they don't make the tournament, would they, you know, reasonably like, or do they feeling real pressure that they could get fired if their team don't go to the tournament? And some of those coaches won't get fired even if they don't go to the tournament. But these are the four that have been able to put their teams in position in hot seat, te- hot seat type seasons to eliminate that, or at least ideally take it off the table there. Brownell, Capel, Collins, and Keats. With Clemson, there's 60. Actually, I'll go best net to worst. It's Keats and NC State by far. As of Friday morning, 38th in the net. Their best metric is 24th in strength of record. Their worst right now, I think, is, is Ken Palm for NC State, which has them at 45th, still respectable overall. Um, Keats was sub-500 last season, but NC State is comfortably in... I think it might even have it might have a case to be on the like the last seven. It's for sure like an eight seed right about now. So it's doing well. And I think that's got to be the most likely team. After that, the next three are kind of scrunched together, particularly after taking some some losses. Northwestern is 57th in the net. Its best metric is 46 in KPI. That is results based. Again, these are among the six team sheet metrics. So you've got net, KPI, and strength of record. You've got uh, BPI, Ken Palm, and Sagarin. Those are the six. And the, the worst of those for Northwestern is 58th and Ken Palm. Uh, we'll see. Northwestern was on the eight line earlier in the week. Uh, I think it is a 10 at best in the moment. But we'll see. It's lost three home games. That's problematic. Next, right behind Northwestern in the net on Friday morning is Pitt at 58. Its best metric is 30th in KPI. Its worst is 66 in BPI. But Pitt's coming off the big win against Carolina on the road. UNC fans wanted a foul on Caleb Love. You had this whole thing with Jason Capel and North Carolina fans. I know that's a that's kind of kind of been like a really hot topic and and taken a, a little bit of the uh, of the air from the, uh, for from people, the Duke Carolina. For people who don't know what happened, explain what happened because um, Jason Capel was fired up after Pitt won at North Carolina. Well, okay, so Jason Capel played at. UNC as, as you know, Carolina fans and you know, if you're if you're if you watch college hoops 20, 25 years ago, like you're quite aware of this. Uh, he played around the, the turn of the century and he was on. He was Capel was actually part of the UNC teams when they were good uh, under Guthridge. And then he was on the Doherty teams as well. And I didn't do like a super deep dive on this. But Jeff Capel, the coach of Pitt, said afterward he had an issue with the with an image or a graphic. I don't understand what the issue is with this. Okay. Here, here's what happened. North Carolina's playing pit. Somebody in social media at North Carolina. Um, it's just like a, Hey, you know, the games tonight type of thing. And they've got, I, I don't know for sure. I want to say maybe a walk on. Yeah. Wearing a Jersey. That, that is Capel's Jason Capel's number. 
Right. And he inter- it seems um intentional, I guess. It does yeah. seem in- otherwise it's just randomly I, you pick yeah, Jason Cable's number. It seemed intentional, but but at least from my perspective, harmless. Yeah. But he took it he took great offense to it. He felt like he was being trolled and disrespected and he really let loose after the game in the presence of reporters. So this was all like, you know, this became a story, you know, maybe I don't know how big of a story it became nationally other than we're talking about it now, but right. it certainly was a, a, a story within the North Carolina program and the pit program. And um, to be fair, Jeff said he doesn't think it came from inside the program. Like he doesn't think well, the coach. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't think Hubert Davis was like, Hey, let's, let's troll Jason <laughs> Capel, which would be hilarious. He look, doesn't think, but like, and I've noticed this. I'm um, just in social media in general. Like we're getting older, right? Me, you, Jason Capel, all of us. And a lot of people who run prominent social media platforms are younger people who, you know, they, they handle things the way they, they handle things. And I, I, I would assume it's intentional. It's pro- I don't think it's the thing, type of thing that would set me off, but it, it's clearly the type of thing that set Jason Capel off. Apparently this has been just – there's been – uh, that's not boiling, but the, yeah, the the fracture between Jason Capel and the Carolina fan base, and people are rightfully noting it's Jeff Lebo's son that was in the that was in the photo. Lebo is an assistant on staff there. Max Gonkaware, a reporter, also pointed out amid all this, Steve Kirshner, who's a tremendous SID, longtime SID for North Carolina. He he tweeted, Steve Kirshner and Jason Capel had some words for each other as they made their ways off the court. What? Like, I, I'm pretty, like, I'm not 100% sure. Kirsch might have started after Capel was done. That's conceivable, but uh, he might have been the SID when Capel was actually in a Carolina uniform. And then there was also reports that you just, you know, Capel yelling at the Carolina fans. It was a whole, <laughs> whole big mess. Um, and so... Listen, I get it. Like, and it's also the stew with all this. Like, Pitt is finally good. By the way, five and one in this past six against Carolina now, and won three straight in that building in Chapel Hill. So, you got a Carolina fan base that's just a little bit feisty too, because there's still like the lingering frustration over being preseason number one. Just a lot going into that, um, and it just boiled over in a way that I think a lot of people weren't quite aware of there. Um, but so it goes. We'll get to Carolina Duke in just a, a minute here for Pitt. Okay, look, you got go ahead. Well, I was just going to say on Carolina. Yeah. I think I thought this was interesting. Rewind the last season. Obviously, they got hot late in the regular season. Won at Cameron. Um, beat Duke again in the Final Four. Played for the national title. Everybody knows all that stuff. But if you go back to around this time of the year, it was like, what's wrong with North Carolina? Are the Tar Heels even going to make the NCAA tournament on February third last season? North Carolina was sixteen and six. 38th at Ken Palm. On February 3rd this season, 15 and 7, 35th at Ken Palm. They have more losses today than they had on this day last season when they were considered, um, you know, one of the more disappointing things in college basketball. So I, I remember in the preseason saying, that's just not going to happen again to this team. And it has happened again. It's not identical, but the thing, them sitting here as we enter February with way more losses than they should have is um, it's 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 now a a back to back, a back to back thing. And by the way, my last thing on this, then we're going to get back to this topic before we pick the games. Uh, What like Twitter is a cesspool in so many ways. But one of the actual very, very fun things about Twitter is these team accounts and these posts that 
troll other teams and other fan bases. And it's all done. Like everyone knows the deal here. And so uh, sometimes that can spill over. Like I get that. Um, I, I understand the reaction. I just thought it was, it was an overreaction there, but you know, the last thing we need is is admins suddenly feeling like they need to, to turtle up. Oh, we we want all of this. You got the Empire State Building glowing up with Eagles colors. It's, like <laughs> dominating, it's dominating an entire city for 48 hours. This is yeah. what we want. So yeah, I, I think I I think the, the thing that makes this slightly different is that Jason Capel felt he was being trolled by his alma mater. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Me as a neutral party. Yeah, I, I, I'm not here I, for it. But it's yeah, not I the type it. of thing I, that I don't think it's the type of thing that would bother me. But I don't know. I'm not. You know, maybe if I were former Tar Heel Jason Capel, I would take offense to that. I don't. know. I can't say yeah, it's, it's it's possible. But Pitt's in a good spot right now, relatively speaking. Oh, it's you know, it's 58th in the net. Its best metric is 30th at KPI. It's 66th in BPI. The running um, trope with all these teams is that their results-based metrics are much better than their predictives, and the results can help you get in. You know, that's that's actually a good thing there. Capel's finally done well this season. Um, I'd put Pitt on the 10 line in the moment here, uh, but in the field for sure, a bubble team, but in the field. And then Clemson's in the worst spot right now, 65th in the net. Doesn't have a metric better than 42. That's its strength of record. It's down to 70th at Ken Palm. It has three bad losses, two of them quad four, in addition to a quad three, which was at BC on Tuesday night. Um, Clemson's 18 and five. I'd actually say it's probably, it's still, I would still have it in the field, but you know, Clemson Northwestern hurt their, hurt their cases this week. So we'll probably litigate these teams more as we get into February. Um, you asked which team I have the most confidence in. It's definitely NC State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, NC State fans, I know you you want to brace yourself because of, of your history. I, I completely, I'm not even trying to poke fun. I, I 100% get it. Like, But you are in the best spot right now, unequivocally. Um, Keith is doing a really good job. But you said pick the ones that are going and pick the ones that aren't. So I will, I will, I will step up to the plate here and take some swings. I will say NC State gets in. I'm going to say Northwestern does not. And I, and if it had won on Thursday, my answer might be different there. Now Northwestern is also in, it's in schedule hell right now because they had the COVID pause. Like Northwestern is in a spot that no other team is in, and no, this will not play a factor. I don't believe whatsoever when the committee evaluates Northwestern, whether it's in or out or how it seeds it. It's not going to matter. But it had two makeup games, and so you know initially it wasn't going to play Michigan on Thursday, February second. It's had to make up these deals, and so it's lost four of its past seven. Next up is at Wisconsin, then it's at Ohio State, then it hosts Purdue, then it hosts Indiana, then it hosts Iowa, then it's at Illinois, then it's at Maryland. Northwestern's schedule is an absolute nightmare, so I am going to project that the Wildcats do not make the tournament. But if they get in, they will have absolutely earned it all the way. And then we get to Clemson and Pitt in the ACC. It's hard for me on the surface to look at the ACC, and this is I'm, I'm really intrigued about your answer on this, GP. I look across the ACC. It ranks sixth comfortably sixth at Ken Palm and conference strength. It's six in the net as well. League strength. The PAC 12 is, is, is not great this year, but the PAC 12 rates better than the ACC. And yet it's all because of the bottom half because you've got Virginia clearly on its way to the tournament. Duke and Carolina should be getting there with plenty of room to spare. You know, Pitt or Miami should be getting there with room to spare. NC state is on its way. And then you get into Clemson and Pitt that are really the two teams that are, are both those going to get in? In this league, with this, with how weak it is on the bottom half, it seems tough. I feel like I have to split the difference. Predictive metric-wise, Pitt narrowly ranks ahead. If you look at the rest of the schedule, real quick, Pitt, home to, home to the Ville, 
at FSU, home to BC at Virginia Tech, home to Georgia Tech, home to Syracuse at Notre Dame, and then they got at Miami. Pitt's schedule upcoming, fairly manageable, broadly speaking. I would take that over what Clemson has. They got a big one Saturday at home. Beat Miami, Clemson. Beat them. Because then you're at UNC, home to FSU, fine. At Louisville, you would think fine. Home to Cuse, but then at NC State, at Virginia, home to Notre Dame. Clemson is a little bit tougher. There is a pathway for both to get in, but for the purposes of your question, and this is objective, I don't care either way, I, you know, but I will say that NC State and Pitt get there. Northwestern and Clemson are two of the more highly seeded teams in the NIT. All right. We're very similar here. I trust yeah. NC State the most. I saw our buddy Rob Doster the other day talking. He said, nobody's been paying attention to NC State. That's completely inaccurate. I've been a wolf. I've been a member of the Wolfpack for like at least three weeks. My support, did my support almost get Terquavion Smith paralyzed? Of course it did. Yes, of course it did. But I've been been with the Wolfpack for weeks. Look. Look at me. You got to do the howl. The wolf howl. I haven't perfected it yet. I can still do a peacock. I wish NC State were the peacocks. That just (laughs) make my life so much easier. Send a letter. See how that goes. You know how easy my life would be if NC State were the peacocks? I'd just put my hands like this, and then I'd just start making peacock sounds. But, you know, can't get everything you want. You know? I trust NC State the most to get there. I trust Northwestern the least. And though I know you know, the selection committee does not look at all about how many teams from this league and how many teams from this league. They're just comparing resumes to each other and then trying to pick the best ones they got to fill out the bracket. So there's not going to be a scenario where they're sitting there going, we can't take this many ACC's teams because the ACC is down relative to blah, 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 blah. They're just going to look at individual teams against each other, regardless of what league they participate in. Um, But that said, I don't think Clemson and Pitt both get there. I think NC State does. I think Northwestern does not. And then I think one of Clemson and Pitt get there, and I'll let them figure it out. For whatever it's worth right now, Ken Palm has both of them projected to finish 14-6 and six in the ACC, tied for second behind Virginia, which is projected to win the league. Um, and I know it must be weird for somebody to – here, hold up. Clemson's 10 and 2 in the ACC, and you think they might not make the NCAA tournament, but the, there's not computer numbers are terrible, and the resume, there ain't much there. So they got a nice league record, but there ain't much there. So NC State going to get there. Northwestern isn't because Ken Palm has Northwestern right now. The schedule's tough. You went through it. Finishing 9 and 11 in the Big Ten, tied for 10th. That's not going to get there. So NC, so, so Northwestern, I believe, has nine regular season games left. Kimpom projects them to be underdogs in seven of those. So they're going to have to really outperform current expectations to get there. I don't think they will, but we'll see. NC State will get there. Northwestern won't. And then either Clemson or Pitt. And if I had to trust one or the other, I would trust Pitt more than Clemson. I'm with you on that. Uh, I believe that Brownell, uh, you can make the case that both, you know, if Clemson, let's say that happens. State, Pitt get there. You know, those guys are going to hold their jobs. Northwestern Clemson don't get there with those coaches be fired. Um, 
I would make the argument that Brownell should, should continue to have the job, but I'm talking right now on February 3rd when Clemson is projected to make the tournament and then that fan base, if they, if they take losses and they're out, they're going to want a coaching change. I get that. Northwestern even more so. Um, I would say the more likely scenario if both those teams get out, if you made me, they might both keep their job. They might both lose their job. I would think that Northwestern would be the more likely to open in that scenario. You want to yeah. preview um, this weekend? Well, just one last thing I want to say on this. I'm glad um, this morning, like I didn't really know, not a lot has happened significantly um, since we last talked. And I was like, what is, an, and you you recommended, hey, maybe let's t- discuss these high coaches and uh, who are doing well. And I'm glad you did because like, I like these stories. Um, you know, we know these guys and, you know, I, while I recognize, and I'm sure they do too, that part of the business is getting fired. Um, it's not fun. You know, like uh, I have, you know, fortunately, I've never been fired from a job. I, I don't know what that's like. I've never not had a contract renewed that I wanted renewed. Um, I, maybe we'll get there someday. But, you know, I'm 46 years old and I've been pretty lucky in that way. Um, I imagine it must be really rough. Now, not not you know it, it it's less rough when you get millions of dollars to while doing your job and and in some cases to to not do your job but that's a lot of life pressure to to enter a season and basically know things don't go well and and by well what they meant for these four coaches is better than they should you're going to have to outperform what people think is likely heading into this season to keep your job that's a lot of life pressure. And there are guys who entered with that same type of life pressure who aren't doing so well. Patrick Ewing at Georgetown, um, Josh Pastner at Georgia Tech, Mike Hopkins at Washington. Um, but I always like it when I see guys give themselves a chance to, to continue doing the job they want to do. And that is the case, at least in this moment, for Brad Bernal, Jeff Capel, Chris Collins, and Kevin Keats. We'll see how it goes from here. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! You ready for the final four and one? Nada, update me on these records. How big is my lead now? Well, I wouldn't say you have a lead, but you've gained ground on Norlander. That's how you get a lead. For the the first the oh. first step to getting a lead is gaining ground. I think. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Uh, so but you went right four and one. That leg. Uh, GP went four and one. What was that? Two and three. Three and two. Okay, I'll take it. Still above five hundred. Still, yeah, very much above. Again, you got a two game lead. Now we just got to see if you maintain if GP keeps the streak going. Still, his best run probably ever in terms of the final four and one picks. It's true. Sure. Not I said I'm gaining ground. That's the way he described the situation. I need to know why you picked this first game as the first game. I'm I'm completely stumped. I'm a ground gainer. All right. Because I because I think we might have more computer trickers in game one. Game one. <laughs> I'm obsessed with computer trickers. Game one. Saturday, noon Eastern. Virginia at Virginia Tech inside Bimbo Coles Coliseum. I was raised on the Metro Conference. You can watch it on ESPN2. Ken Palm has it. Virginia minus one. So this is interesting. Um, Virginia is nine and two in the league, projected to win the league, according to Kim Palm, by multiple games. Virginia Tech's three and eight in the league. 
And yet Virginia's only a one-point favorite on the road, in part because Virginia Tech is top 55 at Ken Palm, despite being 13-9 overall, 3-8 and eight in the ACC. 3-8 and eight in the ACC, still top 55 at Ken Palm. That's a possible computer trigger situation. I mean, they're, the record's not good enough to meet that qualification, I feel like. That's all. Like, they're not... I don't know. It seems weird. Hokies were 11-1, now they're 13-9. This is the last gasp, okay? Right here at the castle. Bitter rival coming to town. Give me Virginia. What do you want from me? Virginia, all the way. I'm going to take the Hokies at home. Okay. I'm going like to believe. It. I like it. I'm going to believe in the Hokies at home. Bimbo Coles Coliseum is a tough place to go into. So put me down for Virginia Tech. Game two, Saturday noon Eastern. Kansas at Iowa State inside Carroll Hoiberg Coliseum. You can watch it on ESPN. Kim Ken Palm has it. Iowa State minus one. Do some detective work in real time here. Okay, so this is not. I got a, I got an. Uh, do people what? What's the preferred nomenclature? The gram or IG? I feel like it's both. The what's your coach? You got to do it for the gram. Let's get a picture for the gram. I've been around and I, I'm not young. But I've been around enough young people to know you got to do stuff for the gram. The uh, the unverified Kansas basketball you gotta, on the gram found me. You got to put you got to put on some drip and do it for the gram. Okay, <laughs> let me know how that goes. I don't even got to. I, I never check my DMs on the gram, but I did like two days ago. I, I, I things were in there that were like two months old. Um. So there are actually there are podcast listeners that message me. I apologize for not getting back to you, but I I just never I never think to I go on the I go on the gram. I go on it like once a week. So um here's what was in my inbox from early January. Please get GP to do an impersonation of a Jayhawk. Hmm. And I said, I'm just seeing this. I'm scared to even ask. I don't blame you. If it happens, we'll play it before every home game. And then I was like, is this actually the Kansas account? But it's not. But it's got a decent amount of followers, and all it does is post KU stuff. Um, and I think it's got like a phony like verification next to it. Um, they said it would be legendary. So, are you willing to try a Jayhawk impression now, or do you want to? One of the things I, I, you know, I have to have standards. You know, like, okay. Okay. I don't know if you ever watched that uh, the Chappelle special that he just put on YouTube right after. Um, um, Yet another uh, uh, black man was killed by cops in this country. And he said, as he released it, he said, I would never let you see under normal circumstances anything this unrefined. But here it is. The point being, he hadn't really perfected the set yet, mm-hmm. but he wanted to get it out and let people see it, share his thoughts on this situation. And um, that's sort of the way I am with my mascot impersonations i don't i want to perfect it before i bring it to the podcast so i would i I can't just abruptly do out of nowhere a jayhawk impersonation that's something i'm gonna have to perfect and then take it to netflix Uh, or to youtube uh i will all right so kansas hmm, six rank opponent in the past seven games for ku here just one against k-state um Kansas all-time, 29-22 in this building. Did you know, by the way? I know everything. Okay, really? Okay, what am I about to say? 
What am I about to say about Jalen Wilson? That he's um, likely to be a first-team All-American. That's not what I'm about to say. 21.3 points per game. He, right now, if he can finish at that average, he will be the highest-scoring player single season ever under Bill Self. Kind of surprising, right? No one's ever averaged more in a season than Wilson is right now. He's got to maintain that. But I found It would be surprising if I didn't already know everything. Okay. Who's number two on that, then? Ben Macklemore. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Hold it? On. Hold on. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, we can go with this one. You lose. Okay, or we can go with this one, of course. They're not good. I was wrong. I, I think Ben Macklemore scored a lot of points. I was wrong. It's <laughs> not the answer. Uh, by the way, um, nah, never mind. All right, I'll go with feel sneaky. What's this line? It's it's. I, you think it's Iowa State minus, I think it's Iowa State minus one. Let me look again. It's Iowa State minus one inside Carroll Hoyberg Coliseum. Yeah. Give me the clones. That's a great game right here. Give me the clones. Yeah, I'm taking Kansas. Of course. Taking the... To pick up a, a national best 10th quadrant one victory. But I am aware of how difficult it can be to go inside uh, what was formerly known as Hilton Coliseum. I don't know if you know this. They used to say talk about Hilton magic. They say Hilton magic was a thing. I'll take the Jayhawks. Game three, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Auburn at Tennessee inside Donnie Tyndall Arena. <laughs> Love Donnie Tyndall. You can watch it on ESPN. Kimbaum has it. Tennessee minus 10. Why you? Why did you pick this game? Oh, I'm about <laughs> to tell you. Okay. You know what? I got Tennessee. The floor is yours. Disgusted by your power rankings this week. You literally. I got, well, I, you know, before actually, I'm taking the floor back before, okay. before you continue. Okay. I, I, I genuinely had a GP moment internally. I was like, Tennessee just destroyed Texas. I, I want to drop Tennessee so bad, but I can't I can't put them behind Texas after they just mutilated them and Texas hasn't won. Again, to remind you, I am not I am trying to rank the best teams that have been playing the most the the best as of late past two to three to four to five weeks. Winning streaks. If you win seven out of eight, I'm gonna reward you for that. Uh so with that being said. GP is about to become the thing he hates. He's about to hop in my proverbial Twitter mentions. Go ahead. Come at me. Disgusted by your power rankings. You literally describe it as these are the hottest teams in the country. And I'm like, these dudes just lost by 13 points at Florida last night. Everyone's losing. Everyone except Purdue is losing. I'm in a tight spot right now. (laughs) They're not the hottest team in the country. They just just (laughs) lost to Florida. And Florida beats nobody. Ah. They just shot the hottest, one of the hottest, the fourth hottest team in the country just shot 28% at Florida. <laughs> they're, they're, they're 18 and four and they've won like 10 of their past 12. I don't know. It's it's a tough spot. It would trust me. I was, I was disgusted that I had to put Tennessee fourth, but I, I felt it would have been intellectually dishonest to put a Tennessee team below a Texas team that it had beat 
and that it has fewer losses in in its past like 10 games. Texas has lost three times in a month. So that's that's why. But I was not happy about it. Trust me. <laughs> I was not. I was almost as disgusted as I still am over Digger Phelps. Okay. I great knew Digger it. Phelps. That's great. Digger Phelps. I'm not over that, man. I am not over it. Grave Digger Phelps was something else. Let me run you through some Tennessee stuff. Because, yeah, boy, i tell you one thing. If you're a Tennessee fan that spent all weekend in my mentions, oh, boy, I was lining it up. I was lining it up <laughs> for Thursday morning. I had all the numbers ready to go. That was the third time this season uh. that Tennessee has lost as at least a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Their first goofy loss of the season, 78-66 in Nashville, as a 16-point favorite. <laughs> just bear with me. If you got, if you need to go get something to drink or go to the bathroom, go I'll do that. I'll be back. You, you take it away. The fall's first goofy loss, 78-66 in Nashville, as a 16-point favorite against the Colorado team. That's now 5-8 and eight in the Pac-12. Then Tennessee lost at home as an 11.5-point favorite against a Kentucky team that is otherwise... Two and three on the road with zero wins on the road over schools ranked in the top 105 of the net. And then they lost 67-54 on the road as a five-and-a-half-point favorite against the Florida team that entered with a one-and-seven record in Quadrant One opportunities. The problem is the offense. Shot 25.4% from the field in the loss to Colorado, 14.3% from three in the loss to Kentucky. 27.9% 27.9% from the field in the loss to Florida. Too often, this Tennessee team that is incredible defensively, they just struggle to score points. And it creates situations where even that defense isn't enough to help them avoid some head-scratching wins, or head-scratching losses, rather. Which is why Tennessee now has three losses to teams ranked outside of the top 30 of the net and three losses to teams ranked out of the outside of the top 30 of the net right now, at this point in the season, that's not good for a top 10 team. Check this out. In my top 25 one, number one, Purdue, number four, Kansas, number five, Texas, have zero losses to sub-30 net teams. Number two, Alabama, number three, Houston, number seven, Kansas State, number eight, UCLA, only one loss each to a sub-30 net team. Number nine, Virginia has two. The only other school in the top 10 of the top 25 and one with three losses to sub-30 net teams is Arizona at number six. And Arizona, they have seven quadrant one wins compared to Tennessee's four to help offset those bad losses. Among their wins, 75-70 over Tennessee. Also worth noting, Tennessee's the only school in the top 10 of the top 25 and one that doesn't at least rank top 35 in both adjusted offensive efficiency and adjusted defensive efficiency. According to Ken Powell, the Vols are number one adjusted defensive efficiency, but 42 in adjusted offensive efficiency. That's why I dropped them all the way down to 10 in the top 25 and one. Are you good? I think I'm done. All right. I got That's some all the strawberries. I couldn't Played wait to find all on the drums. Didn't, didn't, didn't get a single tweet from a Tennessee fan after I posted every bit of that yesterday morning. Not one. Not one tweet. Internet's out in Knoxville, I gather. Here's what happened to the internet in Knoxville? <laughs> So I, I I just you know for comedic effect everyone watching on YouTube I I just played a couple couple I muted the mic but I played a couple beats on the drums but my four year old uh, is home from pre K today because he's a little bit sick and so he heard the drums <laughs> and he came up here Daddy is still working bud can you go downstairs right now 
Or you can hang. He can hang. We're good. I got Tennessee winning and covering. Yeah, I'll take the balls too. Okay. <laughs> Which, by the way, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No. What, what is it? What about oh, game no, three? I gotta go opposite you on game three. Damn yeah. it. Because because my trick, my trick here is to take Tennessee, and then when Tennessee blows out Auburn, if that isn't what happens, and Tennessee gets the internet back in the eastern part of the state, they get the internet back in Knoxville, and people are like, Oh, did you see? I say, dude, I picked you to win. I picked you to win by double digits. What are you talking about? What are you yelling at me for? I picked you to win the game. But now, based on nonsensical rules that I made for myself, I have to go opposite you on game three, and that means that I've got to take Auburn plus the 10. I'm riding with BP. All right. What's game four? Game four. Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Purdue at Indiana inside Yogi Ferrell Hall. You can watch it on ESPN. Kim Palm has it. Purdue minus two. What a game we got here. It's going to be a good one. This is a good one. This is tasty. Internet was thriving last Saturday in assembly. Just so you know, thriving. Great speeds. Um, hmm. Purdue's won nine in a row. You okay with them being number one on my power rankings? That's that perfectly fine. I'm okay. going to take it a step further. You ready for this? Yep. If Purdue loses on Saturday, which is very possible, on Sunday morning, guess who's going to be number one in the top 25 and one? Indiana. <laughs> Purdue. I will keep Purdue number one. They will still have the best body of work in the country, even if they lose yeah. on Saturday night. And it's not not too close. If Purdue now Indiana's, you know, Indiana's not a top ten team, but if Purdue goes in and definitively walks out with a dub, then this there are no great teams talking point that's bubbled up over the past six weeks in this sport might need to be put in the trash because at that point Purdue would be 23-1 in this scenario it has a double digit win over Indiana on the road you know running away with the big you know Big Ten's not best conference still running away with a power conference title with the national player of the year front runner um you know, we, we might need to start talking about Purdue in those terms, but we'll see if it can get there. Obviously, Zach Eady against Trace Jackson Davis is is the big matchup everyone's keeping an eye on. But I'm actually wondering if if Jalen Hood Shafino might wind up having another tremendous game here. He's been really good as of late. He's an NBA prospect. He was not good earlier this week against Maryland, but he had a tremendous game against Ohio State when I saw him in person last week. He's been a little he can be a little bit inconsistent, which is maybe one of the factors. Obviously, there's no Xavier Johnson back. Indiana's still waiting on that. It's a tough ask for him, but that building will be electric and let's hope nothing falls from Jeez. the ceiling or the scoreboard, please. <laughs> Did you see the explanation for that? They, 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 it fell because it got so loud. I know. I know. It, that thing no. had just been sitting up there for years. I, I, I tweeted out a photo after, and like there was like a legit indent. Now, initially, I guess the belief was like it might have been five pounds. It was one pound, but still, like you know, we could have had a disaster. So, please, um, please, 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 uh, let's let's dodge any of that. That's the second time in less than a decade we've had. No stuff wonder they don't have internet in Bloomington. They can't even like keep things from falling from the arena. The infrastructure, the infrastructure, it's the infrastructure problem. It's a tough situation here. Uh, Mason Gillis coming off a, uh, a Mackey Ooh. Arena setting nine three-pointers. <laughs> uh, but how Huchafino plays against these uh, Purdue guards will also be something. Those are freshman I guards. They, they've got great confidence, but they, they 
Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer have never played in an environment like they're about to step into on Saturday. So let's just see how they respond to that and and see how the rest of the Purdue supporting cast uh, does as well. I, I cannot wait for this game. I will, By the way, I will be in studio for CBS Sports HQ for the majority of Saturday. So if, uh, if you're checking on your phone or on your CBS Sports app on your tablet, smart TV, whatever, I'll be in studio with the great Hakeem Dermish throughout the afternoon and into the evening and we'll uh, be providing commentary analysis, etc. And all this stuff, give me, I got to go Purdue. I do think Indiana's got a really healthy shot here. Let's see if it can respond after getting its butt whooped at Maryland, but I will go Purdue to win and cover GP. I'll take Purdue as well. Um, they seem to be operating on another level than everybody else in the Big Ten and just about everybody else in the country. But this is a very losable game. Very losable game. And again, even if they lose it, they will remain number one in the top 25 and one. And I'll make the case um, when I have to make the case. Um, as you know, I discovered Jalen Huchifino. Um, I have to do an NBA mock draft for next week. He's in my top 30. He's not in. I haven't really seen him in anybody else's first round right now. He would be in mine. Like he's a guard with size who can shoot. What's the problem? Guards with size who can shoot. I agree. Hey, yeah, he feels like feels like twenty five to thirty five to me right now. Yeah, so. yeah, somewhere, yeah, somewhere in there. I'll have him go a long way to that. If he, if you know, if he kind of shows up has a no show, uh, you know, against you know those those two Purdue guards, Paris, they're really good. They could be really really good long term college players. They don't have the size and athleticism of NBA guards, and so right. if Huchifino doesn't have a good game, one that would probably prevent Indiana from winning. That- um, and from an NBA stock standpoint, it just wouldn't help him. So no, he that's, a, that, that's a good point. Purdue could theoretically have this backcourt for four years because they're, right. they're not, they're not, I, I don't want to say they're not NBA players. Like, you know, there's a long list of guys who are in the NBA who I did not think were NBA players. Um, but they don't, they don't obviously project right now as NBA players. And so Matt Painter could have that thing while recognizing transfer portal, all that stuff. But like they, Purdue could have the backcourt that is, if not the heart and soul, but certainly a big part of this top-ranked team in the country, they could be the backcourt at Purdue for the next three years after uh, this one. Kevin Willard, I believe it was earlier this week, said he thought Trace Jackson, he said, Zach Eady's amazing. Trace Jackson Davis is the best player in the country. You buy that? No. I don't either, but he said it. (laughs) But he said it. Trace Jackson Davis has been outstanding and is actually, in the context of big-time competition only, is actually giving good push to Zach Eady, uh, but no, it's come on. And now some of the comments about Eady are getting a little ridiculous. Like um, I saw maybe on a previous our our previous podcast, like in the YouTube comments, somebody was like, "If Zach Eady weren't seven foot four, he wouldn't be this awesome." Okay. Well, like okay, like if John Morant couldn't fly, he wouldn't be that awesome. <laughs> like what are we talking about? That's like saying if Steph Curry couldn't shoot, that's just if Steph, okay. Well, he is seven foot four. What are yeah, you talking about? Not- if your aunt had ball, she'd be your uncle. Like, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Come on. Like, if he's not, that's what he is. That's what he is. Hear, that's not on the table. You know? And, Enough. Uh, and he also, he's doing, he's doing damn well. So for, and for whatever it's worth, I, um, I always enjoy when I'm sitting in studio with former NBA players, like guys who know, they don't just know what it looks like. They know what it feels like. They know, they, they seem to have a, a decent grasp for who's what. And I got into a conversation. I don't think Wally would mind me join. Uh, Wally Zerbiak would mind me sharing this. But we were watching Zach Eady the other night, and I asked, "Well, I was like, what do, what do you think about him in the NBA?" And he said, "He can play. He'll play in the NBA." 
Wally, Wally said he thinks that Zach Eady will play in the NBA. Whether he's going to be a top 20 pick, top 40 pick, we'll see. But Wally was pretty convinced that guy can play in the NBA. And not just could play when I played, but can play next season. How about that? Yeah, that'll be something certainly to keep an eye on as we move forward. All right, my and one. Saturday, 6.30 Eastern on ESPN on Armando Baycock Court. Okay. Right there in Durham. It is his. Game high 23 a season ago when they strolled right in less than a year ago and ended the Coach K era at Cameron. North Carolina at Duke. Ken Palm has it at Duke. Yes, Duke minus three. GP, I want your pick, obviously. But I also want you to tell me which school you think is actually under more pressure, which side is under more pressure to win this game. My pick is Duke and the team with the most pressure. Ooh, it's tough. That's tough. Come on, Duke. Which side? Think about think about Carolina's coming off the pit loss. Duke is just trying to get itself off the mat after Carolina fans are going to maintain that this rivalry is, for all intents and purposes, done after <laughs> last year. This is the first game of Shire's era being a head coach facing Carolina. It's coming at Cameron. I could see, you know, Duke is in the better spot tournament resume-wise. Duke is narrowly better. And these teams are actually very, very close overall in many, many different facets there. Duke, if you're playing at home, are you under more pressure? I don't know. I actually think I, so. I, I would think I would argue Duke. I think Duke, yeah. the Duke side is under I more think pressure. Duke's under more pressure. Specifically, John's under more pressure. Um, you don't... Um, you don't want to lose your first game against Carolina ever, particularly in a season where things aren't going as well as they could have gone for you and things are going pretty badly for Carolina. Um, if you're Carolina, yes, it's a dis- it's a tough loss because now you got eight. Uh, you know, you got eight in early February, and you're going to have to start doing what you did last season and, and getting really hot in late February, March to. Uh, I don't want to say make. I, th- I think the Tar Heels are going to be in the NCAA tournament, but you know, let's talk in a week. Um, I, I think there's more pressure on Duke, um, particularly in somebody in the YouTube comments is pointing this out. I mean, you look at like. Dennis Gates at Missouri, Jerome Ting at Kansas State, like some some first year coaches, um, are at the new schools are, are doing pretty well around this country, and like Duke's fine. Like we've talked about it before. Like Duke's at Derek Whitehead sideline, Lively's giving him nothing, very little relative to what he was supposed to give him. It's not hard to understand why Duke is sitting where it's sitting right now. Jeremy Roach missed time. Like I said on a previous podcast, if you would have told me in October, so Jeremy Roach is going to miss time. Derek Lively is going to be a mostly insignificant player, and Derek Whitehead is going to get sidelined. What do we think about Duke now? I said, oh, that's uh, that's a, that's I don't know how that's going to go. So there's explanations for why Duke is where it's at. I, I think very reasonable, obvious explanations. But still, like that ain't going to stop Duke fans for from like you know being disgruntled. When their first-year coach, successor to Mike Krzyzewski, if he loses a, his first game against Carolina at home, um, you know, that'll be that'll be another. You never want to replace a legend and have these bullet points next to your name. Cal, Cal Neptune's running into it right now at Villanova. A bunch of not great bullet points next to his name. And if John were to lose this game, then, um, you know, it's not ideal. I, I, I think, I, I actually think, 
So I went with Duke has more pressure here. I, I think there's real pressure on both sides, and not just because it's a rivalry. Like yeah. no, Carolina needs a big win. That's and Duke, that's and Duke I need, the question. It's, yeah, and Duke needs to not lose at home to Carolina. This is it's real pressure between two unranked teams. I saw somebody earlier um say get disrespectful. GP didn't even have Duke Carolina in as one of his four Final Four one They're games. They're unranked. I don't even see the game. When I'm picking games, I go to the uh, d- default top 25 scoreboard. I don't even see the game. I didn't even know what was happening. I didn't even know that game was happening. I'm just kidding. Of course I knew it was happening. But it's like <laughs> on the list where when I start going, scrolling through and picking games for the Final Four and One, I'm looking at a top 25 scoreboard. So it does not pop. It is, it's not in front of me. I, I got you covered. We had to because you know what? Like and for anyone wondering, like, well, KB and K, K is watching all these games. He's got his office that's adjacent to the facility. So, and I actually believe he has auctioned off all of these. So, people raising money for charity, very wealthy people have actually paid to watch. And maybe the Carolina game will be different. Maybe it won't. But uh, my understanding is that uh, when Duke is playing at home, K is actually on the premises. He's just, you know, he's a couple buildings over and all the way up in, in the bird's nest there watching the game. So, I assume that'll be the case here. So, no, I would be frankly stunned uh, if he was in the building for this one. He hasn't been yet, and I don't think he intends to for the rest of the season there. This is the uh, 259th meeting between these schools. It's 50-50 in the past 100. Um, I will take... Oh, man. And, you know, I picked the game, but I didn't think about who I'd take here. It's Duke minus three. I'm going to take Duke in this spot. You took Duke as well, right? I took Duke minus three. Yeah, I'll take I'll take Duke, but man, that that building last year to be to be courtside, that was a surreal experience as a reporter and one I'll cherish. That was that was nuts. We'll see. You know, a lot of the guys that are on that team are gone too. It's like it's like we we haven't forgot. It's it's Shire Carwell who had a thing you'll remember. It's Shire Carwell and Jeremy Roach. <laughs> really, like that's it. Like you know, you know, there's other guys. I'm I'm exaggerating the point there, but it's not exact. You know, it's it's not like it would have once been in a different era there. Um, Carolina's guys remember they were there, so we'll see. Here's my trivia time for you. Okay, we've got Shire versus Hubert here, and right. um, this will be the first time since 1944-45 season that neither coach in this game first time that Duke and UNC have met in a game and both coaches in the game are under the 50 win mark for their career total victories it was Duke's Jerry Gerard of course mm-hmm. or Gerard mm-hmm. and Caroline had been Carnival or Carnivale either one trivia time okay when that happened yep Jerry versus Ben uh-huh what league was Duke in and Carolina? They were in the same league. What league were they in? ACC did not exist in the 40s. Yeah, I know. Um, they were in, I mean, pretty clearly. Let's go. They were in the West Coast Conference. Let's go, Duke. Come on. You want one more guess? Yeah. Big West. Okay. See, this is the thing. I'm I'm actually when I get trivia time, I'm trying to give you an answer. <laughs> I, just, I just thought it would be funnier just to, to to pick the ones that couldn't possibly be it. Okay, let me guess. I'm gonna say they were in the Big South. They were in the SoCon. The Southern SoCon. Conference. Southern Conference back in the '40s. It's where it began. That was the realness. So it's been a long, long, long time. Since these teams have rock and rolled without 
proven coaches on the sidelines. That's another dynamic there. Should be an intriguing game. And it's a pretty good Saturday overall. Real quick tour, and then we'll get the hell out of here. Friday night, you've got two good ones. You've got Kent State-Akron, tremendous rivalry game there. You may recall last year, either at the end of the regular season or in the league tournament, Kent State was... (laughs) They had guys, um, you know, not... uh, Showing their best selves, talking talking nasty on Akron, that wound up leaking, and it was a whole little mini fiasco there. So they're, they're, they're two best teams in the league. Kent State-Akron, shouts to the Mac. you got a good Friday night game. And then San Diego State at Boise State, 9 Eastern, FS1 on Friday night for top spot in the Mountain West. Those teams are both tracking toward the tournament. That's a really, really good Friday night Mountain West tip. Saturday, other ones to know. Michigan State, 14-8. and eight. Was at Rutgers, 15-7. and seven. That's a nooner uh, on Fox. I believe that game is at MSG, if I'm not mistaken. They're doing that once-a-year deal there. Um, so I think that's at MSG. Steve Peichel just signed a deal through 2030-31. Um, that's going to pay him like around like close to four mil on average over the course of the deal. And so good on Peichel, and that's a perfect fit, and uh, happy to see that. There's a big spot at 2 Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. TCU is at Oklahoma State. The Cowboys, I think, would be in the field with a home win here. It would be their fifth win in six games. So we'll see if Mike Boynton's crew can get it done. Randy Bennett just got win 500 earlier this week. Mike Boynton just got his 100th career victory. All right, 2.30 Eastern on Fox. Illinois is at Iowa. It's the only game scheduled this season between these teams. It's Iowa's black and gold game. So they're going to alternate sections. One one side's going to wear black and gold. You know what I'm talking about. Fan coordination, all that kind of stuff. Now, the Orange Crush went on Twitter and I almost didn't tweet about this thing. I did because I knew there was more to the story. I didn't know there was more okay, to the story. So gonna, I assumed there was more yeah, to the story. All right, so let, let the 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 and I'm sure Iowa and Illinois fans have been waiting for this. And we're going long, but I'll try and be fast. I know we got to get here out of here pretty quick. I looked at this letter. So the Orange Crush goes on. And if you're listening, you almost certainly know the story. But very quickly, they go on. They say, we ordered these tickets in October. Iowa waited until February 1st to cancel our tickets. We did not hear from them since they got shipped back in the fall. All this. And so I'm looking at this letter and I'm like, okay, you've gone public with this. You are uh, an organization, a nonprofit that actually has a good reputation for donating to a lot of charities. So actually, the, the, the student section itself, one, it's known for doing this, and I'm all for subterfuge at the collegiate level. I actually think it adds to these rivalries, and there's a lot of fun. The, the Illinois student section has successfully conned its way into all the Big Ten venues over the past 20 years. It's what they do. So I looked at this, and I thought, okay, you're putting this public. So if you, I literally thought if they have done wrong, why would they make this public? Cause they would get out it immediately. So I had to figure, and I made the idiotic decision to trust a bunch of college kids. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now I did now. So Iowa then comes out and says, no, 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 we followed up on this and they misrepresented themselves as the boys and girls club of their local chapter in Illinois. I, I saw the follow-up interview with the, with the president of the orange crush. He said, we actually said we were a boys and girls club. I, that's still, oh, you're, no, 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 that's, that's too sneaky. I get it. But you tried to pull a fast one, Iowa, which everyone was ready to just slam. And I was too. Maya culpa. That, that, that's on me. Hold on. Never above it. Okay. That one's on me. I was wrong. All right. But Iowa did. Now, maybe it's just tip of the cap gamesmanship. Iowa could have canceled this thing months ago. It waited until the last minute, and now it's going to donate. Apparently, the local Cedar Rapids Boys and Girls Club can only take a, a 25% of the ticket. So you're going to get some, some kids to see a tremendous rivalry game. And 
Parrish, this I'm as anxious to watch this game as any because now, like, if if Illinois goes in and beats Iowa, Big Ten Twitter, oh, it's going to be on fire. Quick thoughts on uh, on all this stuff because this became the one of the predominant you know subplots of the week in college hoops. So I was traveling yesterday from New York to San Diego, and boy, that's a that's a trip. That's a trip. <laughs> that is a trip. My God. And uh, so people were tagging us in this, right? Tagging me, tagging you, oh, tagging other people who have jobs like ours. Yes. And I was, and I read it, and I was like, "Well, this." And before I even got further than that, I was like, "There's probably more to the story." I'm gonna stay out of it. I'll stay out of it. I so I stayed out of it completely. Yeah. And then did. we got the more to the story, and I'm, I'm with Iowa on this one. Yeah, I'm with I'm Iowa like, too. If you if you try to trick them, and that's what they did, they 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 they, which is to be expected, Paris. That's the other thing, though. Like, and Iowa, fine. You wanted to wait until the last minute and to cancel the tickets. I get it now. Illinois is all chapped because they spent all this money on travel. I, I get all that, which is why I qualified and said if everything in this letter is accurate and true, which it was not. Continue. Right. Yeah. No, they acquired the tickets under false pretenses. That's just a fact at this point. Yeah. And you know when you do that you open yourself up to whatever you open yourself up to. So, you know, it is what it is. And, and if I had to, who's right, who's wrong on this one? Who's right, who's wrong? I would say Illinois is more wrong than Iowa. And Just I don't do mind. What you do. do what you want to do right now. Blame this whole thing on Fornelli. <laughs> what if he was the one who was in charge of it? <laughs> I am. This is all on Tom Fornelli. This is a Tom Fornelli work. It backfired. How dare you, sir? I can't believe we lost him. The way we lost him. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to bring the man back to life on a weekly basis, and you just keep putting him back down. Somebody tweeted at me from his account. <laughs> okay, stop. Last week. It was, you know, it was like seeing a ghost. It's like seeing a ghost a little bit, you know? A Fornelli ghost. I a love the situation. I love the drama between these schools. This honestly, though, like it, it, it actually looks like there's actually going to be a lot of charitable upshots to this, which we love to see. That is tremendous, really. Uh, but anything to really get the blood boiling between these fan bases, you know, right there in the middle of the of the Midwest, heart of the Big Ten country. That's great stuff. Two thirty Eastern on Fox. We wait and see what comes in that game. Both those teams are super unpredictable. That thing could go anyway. 29 different directions. We'll see. Uh, Miami at Clemson, three. Because, because, yeah. because before, if I were going, because I, I was actually thinking of ways to address this in my head before I stopped myself and said, you know yeah. what? I'm just going to stay out of it. There's probably more to the store. But I was like, under under the under the assumption, because we were that Iowa was in the wrong there, I was like, how are you going to do a student section this way and keep your offensive coordinator in football all in the same week? <laughs> what is going on there? I can't believe they keep that. They, 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 that's a wild situation. That's the whole the head coach's son's the offensive coordinator, and they never score. Kettle like one of my best friends hired a girl from Iowa, so we're always like in a group text talking about Hawkeyes and stuff. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we were constantly you got yourself talking about wrapped Hawkeyes. up in a group text talking Hawkeyes. I I have group texts where Iowa football is a constant conversation during football season. My apologies and sincere condolences. <laughs> that's and I can't tell you how much. My friend's wife and all of her friends hate everything about the Iowa football situation. 
they're so mad that this dude keeps his keeps his son on his offensive coordinator. It really is like, oh yeah, like at least in basketball, coach. when when coaches hire their sons, it's like Kellen Sampson's on staff at Houston, and like there's no part of Houston struggling that you're going to just immediately point to Kellen Sampson because he's not the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. But in football, when you make your son the offensive coordinator and your offense is disgusting, that's a real that's a tough spot to put your son in. They quite Iowa. What do you? Whatever. We'll see how the hoops team does. Uh, real quick, Miami at Clemson three Eastern Saturday ACC Network. Clemson again. See if you can get it done. Big spot there. Texas at K State four Eastern ESPN two. Um, just a damn good game. We'll see. Sir Jabari Rice is coming off a, a pair of just awesome games. Texas is yet to lose this season with Rodney Terry in charge in games decided by five points or fewer or games that have gone to overtime. So if it's close, fortune has benefited Texas. We'll see if that continues. Um, Florida, uh, Florida, Kentucky, 830 Eastern ESPN. See if Florida can do a little something. They got the win over Tennessee. Now they got to go on the road. Just just keep an eye. Keep an eye on the Gators. Uh, and then Gonzaga St. Mary's 1030 Eastern Sunday, Houston at Temple 6 Eastern, and then Northwestern at Wisconsin is 630 Eastern. That's on Big Ten Network. The Houston game is on ESPN2. Uh, be on the lookout for podcasts. Just you know, First of all, follow on YouTube. Follow us on social media. We have not yet determined when this podcast is happening over the weekend. So just keep an eye out, and you might get a little bonus goodie as well might have a mailbag episode ready for you at some point before uh before we get to another regularly scheduled episode and i will note um fau lost was 20 game win streak broke against uab broke my heart so that's i'm an owl that's right you're an owl you're an owl caught in a tornado right now uh, fau's got to play at charlotte uh, at four eastern on saturday that's actually a pretty tricky spot here they've got more leeway that ain't a tricky spot unless bobby lutz is going to show up on the sideline how are you going to do that to the Niners? They're, I think they're top 100 in Ken Palm. Let me look that up. I'm pretty sure Charlotte's because CUSA is actually a, you know, it's it's better than I think it rates better than the A10 this year. I just wanted to uh, say Bobby Lutz. I don't really mean what I said. Okay. Yeah. Let me check right now, though. Charlotte is 110 at Ken 110. Okay. Well, that's, did they lose last? That's what happened. Lost at home to FIU. That's that's going to leave a mark there. So, you know what? This maybe this is actually, you know what? Charlotte's lost four of its past five. Why did I even bring it up? <laughs> oh, you should rank them fourth in your power rankings oh, next no. week. Okay, here we go. Put them fourth in your power rankings next week. Charleston. I, did, I had perfect. FAU. These are the hottest teams in the country. I mean, I, me. I, how am I not going to put an FAU team that won 20 in a row in my top 10? Come on. I'm ranking the hottest teams in the country. Here's number four, Tennessee. Just got blasted by Florida. That's right. There we go. Um, Charleston also lost. It had like a 13 point lead against Drexel. And so now I think the Cougars and I'm just going to say this and we're moving on. You've already buried this team. I, I think the Cougars literally have to win. If they have any shot in that large, they cannot lose again, literally until a, a title game situation. That's probably the best case scenario. Go out and win your CAA auto bid. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, Oh no, I have one more. No oh, God. I got to go enjoy San Diego at some point. All right. Well, Brevin Galloway's nutsack got an NIL deal. I think you wanted to talk about that. <laughs> no, so. I do want to talk about his his balls. So Before we get out of here, let's talk about Brevin Galloway's balls. A shouts to, uh, I think it was Russ from the Boneyard that picked up on this, though. Yes, he secured the sack. Well, All-time okay. headline there. Great stuff. This guy had his balls explode and turned yeah. it into an NIL deal. College Blew sports is, is better than this moment right now. 
fluid back up. Possible explanation. It's just amazing. We had to end on that note. Forget about the forget about the Miami game. Brevin Galloway secured the sack after Is he, he secured the sack. Ever person to secure a contract because his balls exploded. I would think maybe. I don't know anybody else who's ever done that. I mean, in fairness, I don't know anybody else whose balls has ever exploded. That's a, that's a new one on me. That's a new one on me. All right? But to have that happen to you and then get a new contract, he's financially benefiting from an explosion of his ball sack. That's wild. I think that should come with the territory. If anyone goes through that period, windfall should be headed your way. No one, de- no one deserves to suffer. Yeah, if something. your balls explode, you automatically get like ten grand. Yeah, <laughs> I feel Put like that's the Constitution. Fair. Put it in the Constitution Put tomorrow. It in the Constitution tonight, yesterday. <laughs> somebody should run on that. Somebody, somebody should run on that for president. Yeah, your vote, your your voting number. The people that are actually afflicted with this will be small, but man. They'll also be big. State of the Union coming up. What if President Biden said? And if I am elected for a second term, I will make sure if your balls explode, you get $10,000. I got to figure. Listen, these presidents, they've got they've got a they've got a healthy. They got a, a team of writers. We know one of you. You're, you're, you're a pod listener. Sneak it in there. I'm not even saying near the top. I'm, I'm talking 22, 23, 24 minutes in. You know, the seventh page, toss a line in there. He'll be none the wiser. This is our campaign. This is what we run on. And then they'd have to go ask Ron DeSantis whether he's willing to give people $10,000 for exploding balls. And now we just got a whole big, now we got a, that'd be fun. It'd be fun to follow. I'd, I'd watch right. the debate. I tell you that. Go enjoy San Diego. I don't know what I'm going to do. We have a whole free day here in San Diego. I don't know what I'm going to do. Somebody mentioned go to the San Diego Zoo. Here's the thing. Um, I don't know that I would enjoy. I know it's great. I don't know if I'd enjoy a zoo without my kids. Um, Secondly, my mom constantly talks about the San Diego Zoo for some reason. She's like, I'd really like to go to the San Diego Zoo someday. And I feel like if I go without her, I'm just I'm shoving it in her face. I'll tell you what, though, it's podcast research. You're perfecting the set list if you do that. Peacocks, owls. Oh, yeah. Jayhawk. A lot of stuff there. Yeah, I think the San Diego Zoo, I know they have owls. I know they have peacocks. I think they have Jayhawks. There's a J- special Jayhawk section yeah. in the San Diego Zoo I read about yeah. on my flight. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, even when it goes probably about 25 minutes too long. <laughs> if you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Five stars, nice review. More of us than there are of them. You hear about that new HBO show? No. The Last of Us? Oh, I've heard about it. I'll get to it. It's, it's about a post-apocalyptic planet mm-hmm. where only a f- handful of people are still having premarital sex and that's why it's called the last <laughs> of us go, that's why go. it's called the last of us it's the last of us let's go if you're not subscribed let's to the youtube go. channel do that we're going to talk to you again on sunday till then take care